You're listening to And hey everyone, welcome to the Good Pop Culture Club episode 45. My name is Marvin Yeh, and joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian-American Jess Jew. What's up, Jess? Hey, everyone. Oh, it's been a busy weekend, Marvin. <laughs> uh, we could talk, like, I'm now my family's vaccine coordinator. It's like a cruise ship coordinator, but way less fun. Yeah, dealing with Asian parents, um, telling them that they should go to the doctor, sounds like a nightmare. Mm, and then like throwing all your aunties and uncles and stuff and then like throwing the fact that you are the youngest like girl in the family of her generation <laughs> asian people like if you asian you understand this dynamic um it's hard <laughs> <laughs> also joining us professional culture editor han win hey han hi i did not have to coordinate that fell to my cousin who is a young asian woman in my family uh, but she's also in houston so that makes sense. But yes, uh, there's, you know what? Also, they don't make it easy for some of these uh, computer things, you know. Yeah. Jess, I heard you had problems with the um, government computer terminal or portal. Oh, my God. L.A. County, get it together. OK, so, you know, March 1st, starting March 1st, they opened up to the next tier. I also realized L.A. County, everyone's tier one, which is the most like L.A. thing. It's like <laughs> tier one, phase A, B, C. Everywhere else, it's like much clearer, like we're phase four, you know, because, you know, sequential numbers work like that. But not in L.A. <laughs> You're 1A, 1B, 1C. But I was like, wait a minute. Is everyone so special, they, Jess? I'm like, we're all number one. But also, there's a class system. Please kill each other to fight for <laughs> vaccine doses. Hunger Games. So, yeah, no, my parents are in the next eligible tier as food service workers. It's been really frustrating because they're like, between 60 and 65 so it's not like they're like super young and health like they're healthy generally my dad is diabetic that's always so concerning but it's like this annoying thing where like okay they're like a few years off from that first tier uh they're food service workers so you know they would be exposed if like my dad just also got called back into work so like mm. it's all like really uh frustrating because i feel like they were part of like that demographic that slipped through the cracks in the priority planning but they finally opened i was up all night trying to find a vex like an appointment and it like magically appeared on like a <laughs> sunday morning for like an hour like the appointment was like an hour later so my parents like sleep in it was like early in the morning i was only up because my dog woke me up because he needed to pee so thank you chowder and then i like made this up i like Panic made this appointment, and then like I run into the living room, and I'm like, "Wake up! <laughs> we all need to go to Pomona." <laughs> so we get, and then I'm able to find my mom a a vaccine appointment too. Like again, totally random. It just pops up, no rhyme or reason. But then my mother, bless her heart, she like, I'm gonna send this link to my sister, my auntie. My auntie's like the most neurotic person I've ever met. She's a panicker. She she does not handle crisis well. <laughs> And I was just like, how am I going to explain to this woman how to get a vaccine appointment? Her kid, my cousin, is like not home, but he was home this weekend, which is fortuitous. It was just like this whole thing. And I was like, oh, my God, I, I can't. I don't know how to explain this to like any other relatives Wow! <laughs> in like Chinese. Like, how am I supposed to explain? Like, you just got to keep doing it. 
Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like Asian immigrant parents of a certain age, they don't accept I don't know as an answer. They're just like, no, 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 you're you're always in front of the computer. Like, why don't like, you know, right? You went to college. Mm-hmm. You went. I'm like, no, I do not understand the technical backside of the L.A. County Public Health Department. So it's like a whole journey. It lasted like two hours. I'm like trying to get my parents to go. I go with them because I made their appointment. And I didn't want anything like funky to happen because we made it on the 28th. And technically, they were not eligible to March 1st. But I think they just were opening like empty appointments. I was like, yo, if they if they're going to like throw a fuss about you not being eligible yet, like I'm going to come with you so I can like fight them. <laughs> like I will fight them uh, verbally or physically. I'll just fight them. Uh, so I was like, I just came along for like body support, body man wow. <laughs> while trying to manage my aunt and get her an appointment and my dumbass cousin. OK, like Han, male cousins useless oh. <laughs> totally useless marvin you're useless i, I apologize for uh, I on, to, on behalf of all male cousins most male cousins i have to say one of them one of mine cooks like really well so oh, oh that's whoa, the they thing. could do the bare minimum of sustenance sustaining their own <laughs> life Ooh. no so like i was just like why am i doing this like you have a son like you have an american-born son who also speaks perfect English. And so I managed to get her an appointment. That was good. So I'm just like slowly getting everyone appointments, like, like booking people for spa appointments. But it's, you know, life or death now. But I'm glad my parents have got their first dose. Uh, couldn't It came at, couldn't, could have been a little earlier. My dad is back at work officially now, LA County. You're not doing great on the rollout, but... Oh. How lucky we'll is your see. family to have like a program manager as a daughter? <laughs> That's what I was saying. And like, again, I'm the youngest. I am the one with the least filial power in the, you know, the way Asian families work. I have mm-hmm. no power. Thank God my parents like know that they can't negotiate with me. Like they've lived with me for almost 30 years now. They know that I will bully them and very stubborn. I will not let it go. So no like actual issues with them getting the vaccine. They were ready. Mm-hmm. But um, at this point, definitely ready. They, you know, it was my grandparents are fine. They saw that no side effects. But my mom was like fielding like coworker questions. Like one of her coworkers had questions. I was like, let me let me talk to her. I was like, it's okay. The vaccine's safe. No, I have allergies too. But like, they're only worried about allergies if you've ever had like respiratory issues with like flu vaccines. If it's just like pollen allergies, you'll be fine. <laughs> I'm gonna get the vaccine as soon as I can, and I have allergies too. Yes. You should offer this as a service. Like, pay me as, like, the parent whisperer. My dad, my mom did offer to buy a guilt buy me lunch. Because let me tell you, I was not <laughs> humble about being the only useful child in this generation. Uh, I was like, sure, like, who they have the fancy degrees and the MBA and one's an engineer. How many of them were? Did that help? Did that help in getting a vaccine appointment? No. The only one who could do the only one who was here and did it is me <laughs> you're welcome very smug about it annoyingly wow. smug about it and you did that all on sunday and got back just in time for the golden globes yes <laughs> yes which not were worth it. a thing it was a little <laughs> bit cringy it was fine i was like doing other things it was on in the background the fashion was great though mm-hmm. some of the dresses that these stars broke out like have not seen that red carpet kind of glam in a while that was fun yeah, yeah i'm glad they did that I guess this is where we have our obligatory congratulations to Lee Isaac Chung and Chloe Zhao on their Golden Globe wins for Nomadland and Minari, respectively. Okay, but Lee Isaac Chung's daughter like mm-hmm. stole the show. <laughs> She's so cute. 
and then like um i saw like alan kim was posting like he was watching it's he's so pure please protect him (laughs) (laughs) huh well on this episode of good pop we're talking all about the new nbc sitcom young rock the new show about the youth of one Dwayne the rock johnson uh, but before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is beginning us through the week. Uh, Jess, what's popping? So I haven't had a lot of time. It's been a very busy week overall as a professional Asian person because people learn that racism is real again. <laughs> um, it's one of those but, months, yeah. Yeah, it was one of those. This is it's not that kind of show. Our show is not that kind of show, but. Um, the one night I kind of gave myself a break, I randomly watched Argo, which is that's not, not a feel good movie. It's it is kind of a feel good movie. It's it's <clears throat> interesting because it's been like ten years. It won the Academy Award for Best Picture. It's a very good fun movie, and I will say there's problematic things that we would hopefully not repeat now. Um, mainly Ben Affleck playing a Cuban man named Tony Mendez. And, you know, it does get very Islamophobia he in parts. Um, I will say, I just, like, really enjoy... I forgot... I forget sometimes how much I enjoy these, like, adult drama movies, like prestige major studio adult drama movies when they're well done. And I don't think we get that much as often. Like, another really great one I enjoyed and watched during quarantine was Spotlight, mm. which also won the Academy Award. Very... Mm-hmm. chill movie just like a well-made movie nothing inherently like exciting happens like let's be real it's about a bunch of journalists like breaking a story and they may are able to do it in a way that's super interesting and enticing and tells a great story so i am like on this weird binge of like seeking other content like that i think i've just been in like my weird um a lot of things i have to watch for work so basically if it doesn't have an asian person in it i don't tend to have to prioritize it. So yes, I am now just watching Argo nine, ten years later. <laughs> it's great. Would recommend. Spotlight would recommend. The only thing is it's like hit or miss. A lot of movies are dressed in the same manner and are not I do not find good. Like I tried Moneyball. I did not like it. <laughs> Could not watch it. Do not care about sports like that. No, it's not even a sports movie. It's a math movie. And I like sports movies. I don't like math movies. <laughs> Distinction. So if you guys know any great, you know, like Oscar Beatty major studio adult drama films that are entertaining, like not too indie. I'm not into the indie stuff. It's like slow stuff. Like well-paced studio movies. Let me know. But Han, what's popping with you? Well, I can't remember if I've discussed this before but at the same time who cares i'm gonna bring it up again because uh i am in the final week of press tour i feel like that's been going on forever the end is near the the line of the tunnel (laughs) (laughs) this is the sixth week usually it takes place over like between 14 and 21 days so that's what two to three weeks and now it just feels like it has been my whole life um I feel like my work has suffered. My personal life has suffered. And and that's saying something during COVID times. Um, but uh, yeah. So anyway, today was the penultimate day. Um, a press tour. It was for Fox. And we had a panel for Prodigal Son. So I made sure to catch up on it. 
And um, just in case you're not aware, Prodigal Son is a hour long. You think it's a drama. It looks like a drama, but it's actually a dark comedy. It's about a uh, serial killer called the surgeon who gets caught. And so he's imprisoned. And then many years later, his adult son is now a uh, uh, what's it called? A profiler, right? <laughs> a profiler, yeah, yeah. FBI profiler. Yeah, he's not, I don't know if he's FBI, but... Consultant? I think, yeah, I think he got kicked out of FBI, whatever it is. Anyway, he helps identify, like, motivations and MOs and stuff like that for uh, murders. So he's not exactly part of the police, but he definitely consults for them. And um, through this process, he has also been having to deal with his own demons because, you know, he loved his dad dad was a killer um maybe there are other things from his past that like he didn't remember or have blocked out um maybe the reason why he's a great profiler is because he also has murder in his blood who knows so what's great about it is um michael sheen you know plays the surgeon his name is i think martin uh got it whitley um and he has grown out his hair so it's like this corona nimbus around his head of curls uh it's all gray so that's kind of nice and uh, he also has a crazy beard and he definitely uses the crazy eyes a lot when he talks um his son played by tom Payne, uh it, it kind of looks like topher grace's love child you know um with a little bit longer hair and he uh i he's think he's a game of thrones dude right is that where he's from if he was, it's not a role that was very big because <laughs> I don't remember it. He is British. So I assume at this point everyone's been on Game of Thrones. That's um, fair. Yeah. Or Doctor Who, you know, one of those things. Um, or, oh, he was Walking Dead. Sorry. Wrong oh, prestige television show. Yes. So um, what I love is, you know, there's quite it's it's multicultural cast. Um, one of my favorite characters is, of course, our favorite uh, played by Keiko Agena. Um, her character is the uh, forensic pathologist person. So her character's name is uh, Adrisa, I think, Tanaka. And the cool thing is she totally plays a fun character in that she adores the sort of like blood and guts side of the, her job. But um, And so she kind of geeks out on it. But she also kind of is into like um, S&M. So it, it kind of... <laughs> It leaks out every now and then. And because um, the son, his name is uh, Malcolm Bright, he uses a different name, last name, so he can separate himself from his dad. Um, but because he's sort of an expert in this sort of field, uh, he catches her eye. So every now and then when she flirts with him, it's just kind of adorable. And one of my favorite parts is that every now and then she's in the field, like looking at a body. And there was one episode where she was at a private school. It was actually um, Malcolm Bright's old private school. And these students come up to her and they bully her and they're like, are you a freshman? Um, <laughs> because she's tiny. So it, it, it was just, there's just so many things about the show that they kind of get it and they know how to poke fun at themselves. Um, and it, you know, clearly Michael Sheen is an amazing actor. And so what's interesting is that they've been able to draw some really good talent who are willing to be goofy also. So like, I think tonight even has a new episode where Catherine Zeta Jones is in it. 
Lou Diamond Phillips is a regular cast member. Hey. He, yeah. He directed this night's episode. Um, they also have uh, drawn in Alan Cumming. I think he's going to oh. be in the second half of the season. So they tease him in this episode, but he you don't get to see him much. But he's the one scene I saw him in was amazing because I love him. Um, and he's definitely having fun with his character. Oh, and season one is now on HBO Max, so you can catch up with it. And we are now in the middle of season two, so it's just probably a matter of time once that season is over for it to also go to HBO Max. So um, right now it's on Fox, though. So I'm very, I'm, I'm, it's for me, it's wonderfully delightful because I don't really have to write about it. I can just enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what's that like (laughs) to not have to think critically about a piece of media you're watching? It's hard. You know, maybe that's one of the reasons why I will watch Love Island and stuff like that. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so that was from me. Marvin, what's popping with you? What dark, depressing content are you watching, Marvin? (laughs) Not too dark this week. Um, (laughs) What's popping for me is actually an oldie but a goodie. Um, I've been catching up with the final season of DuckTales. Uh, The last four episodes are airing right now. This week's episode was called The Lost Cargo of Kid Cloud Kicker. And man, this show is still really, really good. I know I've been seeing praises of DuckTales 2017 for a while now, but they're really pulling out all the stops in this last season. And I'm super bummed that it's going to be the last season. Um, This latest episode further expands the um, Disney Afternoon expanded universe that uh, this show has created by incorporating characters from Tailspin, which, of course, is the 90s Disney Afternoon cartoon that took place in a Prohibition-era coastal city inhabited by characters from The Jungle Book. Baloo the Bear was a pilot of a transport plane. Um, Shere Khan was a capitalist mogul. Um, King Louie ran the local tiki bar. And it was a super fun show about adventure and like fighting sky pirates. And so this episode of DuckTales features Kit Cloudkicker, who was the um, sidekick of Baloo in the original series. And in the episode, he's um, shown as a grown-up bear who has taken over the company from Baloo and goes on an adventure with Huey, Dewey, and Della Duck, who is the mother of the triplets and Donald Duck's twin sister. And this episode also features The Wuzzles, which is a 1985 Disney cartoon about, like, basically hybrid animals. Um, like Butter Bear, which is half bear, half butterfly, um, which in this version is kind of like they um, dig deeper into the body horrorness of it. And it's actually like <laughs> an actual bear with wings. That's kind of a little scary. Everything you say, like out of context, uh, if you were to just describe this to me, it'd be like, <laughs> what twisted <laughs> shit are you watching? It's like, oh, it's DuckTales. The B- body horror of The Duck body Tales. horror of Butter Bear. <laughs> Can you please write this story for me? <laughs> the Which, body horror of Disney. <laughs> it's funny because in the original Wuzzles, Butter Bear was like a Care Bears looking bear with like butterfly wings. So they definitely went a different direction with this version. I, you know, I, I kind of wish I could get into it, but like. I did watch DuckTales, but I never watched any of those other ones. So, like, I feel like I can't really get into the DCU until I go back <laughs> and watch all of those other ones. I, I, I think it's I think you'll be fine if you just jump in to the DCU, Han. I don't I don't think you I need mean, to watch. What's amazing like, about this series is uh, Matt Youngberg and Frank Agnones, the two showrunners, creates it's like an MCU type of thing where they. Like every single episode stands alone as like a great kids show, 
but they throw in a lot of references. It's it's like MCU denseness of references to classic Disney cartoons. I um, feel like, yeah. I feel like that would like <laughs> amplify my enjoyment. And so I don't know if I can just jump in and like I try. Well, I mean, I, you're I did enjoying like, WandaVision, right? And you don't know all the. I know most the of Easter that. Eggs there too, right? I mean, I don't read the, <laughs> all the comics, but like, yeah, um, yeah, we'll see. I just there's always so much because, like, I, I, you know, I had to watch all the I had to watch all the Mighty Ducks movies because there's now a TV <laughs> series coming out, um, and that first episode definitely gave me a lot of Easter eggs, and they say that there are going to be a lot more, and the producers were very mum about if there were other people showing up, which means Joshua Jackson has to show up. But oh anyway. My God. <gasps> oh, oh, my God. I'm, God, I'm assuming great. all the other ones will. Who knows if Keenan will show up? I, I want to see them all. But anyway. So. Yeah, well, DuckTales remains one of my favorite shows, and I'm kind of bummed that we only have two episodes left, but I am glad that they were able to um, end their run on their terms. Um, and it's going to be a series that I go back to time and time again. I just know it. You can watch the current season of DuckTales if you have the Disney Channel. Um, and you can also catch the first two seasons on Disney+. Plus. I'm sure the third season will go up after the series finale. Um, yeah. If you're like me and grew up with Disney Afternoon, and especially if you like the Tailspin, definitely check it out. You will not be disappointed. And that's what's popping. Uh, when we come back from the break, we talk all about Young Rock. Stick around. Hey everyone, it's Marvin. Uh, if you grew up like me, traveling between the United States and Asia to visit family, then you probably have the same experience where half of your suitcase on the way back is full of snacks. Because we all know that Asian snacks are the superior snacks. But now those smuggling days are over. Urban Salted Egg Chips, the number one snack of Singapore, is now available in the US. That's right, no more waiting in line at Taipei 101 to buy a few bags of chips that will inevitably be smushed on the way home in your suitcase. Often imitated, never duplicated, Irvin's is the original salted egg chip using real salted duck egg that has been brined for 30 days, then steam cooked, then hand mixed into potato chips or fish skins, with fresh curry leaves and red peppers diced right into the bag for a snacking experience that's hashtag dangerously addictive. You can order Irvin's chips now by going to eatirvins.com, that's eatirvins.com, and use the code GOODPOPCULTURECLUB, all caps, for free shipping on any online order of Irvin Salted Egg Snacks. Again, the website is eatirvins.com, and the code for free shipping is GOODPOPCULTUREECLUB, all caps. <sighs> Kathy? Kim? Steve? Where have you been? We haven't seen you for seven years. Has, has it been that long? Uh-huh. Oh, uh, I was on a fishing boat. Training. It's part of the plan. Pla- what training? What plan? The, 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 the third season of the Korean Drama Podcast! Okay, we're doing this again? Okay, but there's no body switching in this one, right? No! The only thing we're switching is the fact that we're going to watch a good drama this time. From 2020, called Itaewon Class! A story about starting a restaurant a dish that Koreans love called revenge. I thought you were going to say kimchi jjigae. I thought you were going to say juk. Those two. Koreans love those two. Listen to the Korean Drama Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. This week we're talking about Young Rock, the new mid-season show that just premiered on NBC, uh, based upon the life of professional wrestler and actor Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The series is created by Nanachka Khan and Jeff Chang and stars Adrian Grohl, um, Bradley Constant, and Uli Lakutefu as the Young Rocks. Um, I hope I didn't butcher any of those pronunciations. I apologize to everyone involved. And also starring Dwayne Johnson and Randall Park as themselves. The show premiered two weeks ago, so there's only two episodes out right now. But um, we're going to give some of our initial impressions on the show so far. Uh, what does everyone think about Young Rock? I I really enjoy how Nanachka Khan has been sort of like been able to find this sort of lighthearted, goofy tone. And I think it works really well here. Um, I think the first episode maybe is just a little confusing because you, you're introduced to all of the timelines. So, uh, you get the rock in 2032, uh, on the campaign trail to be president. And so then through flashbacks, you see him as a child in high school and then college. And so kind of adjusting to all that. But once you do, I have to say like, that didn't bother me at all. Whereas some people found and had an issue with it. So that's why I'm just mentioning it here. But, um, I, I found every single timeline interesting and I I and and funny. That's the thing. It's like overall the the format of him being on the campaign trail and then being interviewed by Randall Park playing Randall Park. So it's like <laughs> Dwayne Johnson being Dwayne Johnson interviewed by Randall Park, who is Randall Park and keeps mentioning that he's an actor. It's just I don't know. There's something so lighthearted and cute and fun about it. But also in the flashbacks, it's sort of like showing the rocks uh past life as you know as someone who didn't have privilege and also kind of owns up to how he was like you know he stole and he got in trouble and was struggling with not just like financially but with other aspects of his life so i i really enjoy it but it, it still always stays lighthearted yeah, I guess we should talk about the conceit of the show, which is i mean so young rock is the latest show in a long series of shows about the youth of celebrities, right? We've had, you know, Everyone Hates Chris. We've had, I mean, even the Nachika Khan's last um, show, uh, Fresh Off the Boat, is a one of these about, you know, pseudo-celebrity Eddie Huang, right? So the conceit of this show is that Dwayne Johnson is running for president in 2032, which doesn't seem that far-fetched, if I'm honest. I mean, maybe <laughs> it's, it's more premonition than um, exaggeration, right? <laughs> or surrealism. It, it might happen. Uh, all I know is we wrote a review of this and then someone emailed Salon saying that there is a press site. I mean, there is a site for Dwayne Johnson for president. I think that's what it is. You can check it out. <laughs> um, so people are like serious about this, which is on one hand, like really frightening. But on the other hand, well, he's better than the other celebrities we've had. I just have flashbacks <laughs> to 2000 to 2003 when this actually happened to california you guys remember that oh my god it was <laughs> oh, so insane how many people running for governors that we had that it almost looked like an episode of like celebrity jeopardy i'm i'm looking at my college diploma right now and i have his signature on it <laughs> oh you you graduated in that time yeah. oh good for you marvin <laughs> i will say the string of hollywood actors who have become our president 
of this country is not good. It's 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 not good. It's zero for two right now. Um, so let's not make it zero for three. Let's just not. Like, uh, I hope he has the wisdom to not pursue this seriously. But it is a very fun. Like, why do you want to be the most liked person in like California or like the country to be like the most hated? Don't do that to yourself, sir. You seem to have a very lovely family and a very lovely life. Don't fuck it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, it it's the I think the con. I think the formula, and it is a formula, right? It's mm-hmm. a very set structure. It's, I think it's really smart, actually. I think that in right now, this is like me soapboxing a little bit. Like everyone wants to watch like prestige drama or prestige comedy and think they're so smart. It's like, you know what? Give me a good, fun, lighthearted primetime sitcom that is done really well that makes me feel like everything's going to be inherently okay at the end of the day, which. I am turning to more and more now during, you know, as we approach one year of quarantine, but they're still able to subvert a lot of the traditional aspects of sitcom, even using this conventional formula. And I think even that juxtaposition is like really powerful because, you know, we, like Han, you mentioned, it is a non-white family at the center of this. I think people forget this still. Mm-hmm. Like, did again, do we forget The Rock is not white? I think a lot of people want to claim him, including white people. Um, and they can just convince themselves that he's just very tan. Which, But it's like very, I mean, this show makes it very explicit. Like, he yep. is biracial, yep. black, and Samoan. Grew up in Hawaii, Pennsylvania, and uh, went to college in Miami. Like, very, you know, all over the country. Very uh, colorful multicultural multiracial like basically family unit with all the wrestlers you know being his like family growing up and i'm just like guys this is actually incredibly like groundbreaking this is a network sitcom and i don't know i mean might as well talk about this now and like talk about the elephant in the room like is this just a signifier of like primetime tv just doesn't matter anymore like you can be on primetime and no one cares even though that used to be like the big signifier of you've made it, right? Or do we not care because we're doing that shitty thing where we don't celebrate people outside of the non-East Asian background? I mean, just remember, do you remember like in 2014 or 2013 when like Fresh Off the Boat came out? That was a huge deal. Uh, that was two, yeah. in our community. That was two jobs ago for me. I was at TV Guide at the time, so I even had IndieWire in between that. And then now being at Salon when it ended. So yeah, it was a while ago. I mean, there were parties, like screenings everywhere, and yeah, like you know, just and I as like people who work as professional Asians within the Asian American like media, you know, machine. I remember it, it's still a problem now where. Even like when we're programming things to like get like Pacifica PI representation is tough because a like the the communities are more isolated and also there's wasn't enough. Like I think what's groundbreaking about this show and what's great about this show is hopefully everyone on the show will get more work because of the show. Right. Oh, they're and they're great. Like all three versions of The Rock are great. Uh, The the. The his mom is lovely, <gasps> love her so beautiful, a beautiful single voice. Like, um, like they, I think they cast it incredibly well. Everyone is really, really warm and charming. Um, 
I just, I mean, I mean, maybe it's compounded overall just by we're in quarantine, so there's no in-person events. Maybe their angle is also like The Rock is such a known figure, like they feel like they don't have to market this as like the API or PI project. But it almost feels like a loss, like a missed opportunity for both on both ends, right? Like for them to like reach out, like for them being like the studio or network to reach out to activate this community and for us to be able to celebrate like this new family on TV because like there's no family on there's there are few there's few API families on TV right now, guys. Like Rush Off the Boat ended, Dr. Ken ended, Andy Mac ended, Warrior ended. Yeah. And and it's and as you point out, it's very rare to see a biracial family unless you're getting like mixed dish or like Andy Mac also ended. Um, But it's what I love is like in his younger uh, incarnations, because, you know, in his adult life right now, he's shaved his head. But, you know, in his younger incarnations, you like you're saying, it's very clear he he's a person of color. He also has natural like hair texture. Um, Like He's adorable as a child and he's hot as a college student. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> We are looking respectfully. I'm not even going to, even though he's definitely old enough, I'm sure in the high school version, I'm going to treat him like a high school student. So I'm not mentioning him. But, uh, you know, he's very yeah, funny and, as a high school student, and, let's just say. And I just think like even outside of that, I think this is one of the few sitcoms I can recall in recent memory that deals with class and oh, so money. Much in a really meaningful way um like both plot lines for the first two episodes revolve around him feeling like they don't have enough money so he can impress a girl and the struggle and his mom having to work a Not job just any cleaning girl. houses karen <laughs> what, what fine karen. ass fine ass fine ass karen, karen. <laughs> Um yes. and it's it's I'm a more partial to big hair Karen. I'm more of a big hair Karen. You like the eighties yeah. hair? <laughs> no. It's a it's a it's a it's a look, definitely. Time I'm feeling, and place. I'm feeling all the fashions though, I gotta say. And I love the, the fashion is great. The name checking of the Jabos. Um I also love that his best friend is Sam from Pen Fifteen. If you didn't recognize him, they're letting him be older. Oh. Yeah. Oh shit! That's where you recognize him. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Why does this kid look so familiar?" I can't place it. Yeah, so he, you know, he's in high school. He's not even in middle school anymore. <laughs> it's, just, it's great. Uh, it is refreshing after like because every other Asian property this past year has been about the other end of the spectrum, right, which the is rich, rich, the rich ones, right? I will say, even like shows about like working class families not just this doesn't just happen with like asian like censored shows but like a lot of work like you don't just see any shows about working class families usually right now like in the recent years Mm -hmm. that was more common maybe a few decades ago in sitcoms but like tv has become incredibly aspirational so you know it's always people like they're middle class but they're living in this like beautiful house or a beautiful mm-hmm. apartment and like money is just not a plot line or like mm-hmm. like like anxiety about money is never a part of the story there might be some kind of like minuscule stake like oh we have to save xyz but it does not like doesn't seem to permeate the tone quite like this show does but it's always it's a sitcom so it's still handled in a way that's fairly light and and it resolves like in a heartwarming way um i don't know if we're talking like direct plot points but you know the his realization at the end of episode one like you know you could pretend the rock's white but the rock got that same like 
filial piety that a lot mm-hmm. of like immigrant kids have, which is like it's about your parents. It's about the fair family and you're you know, you may not agree or they might like drive you crazy or they like it's like this duty to your family and this love for your family. And that's like and I think he's been fairly open about it as like a person like he loves his mom. He mm-hmm. like bought her a truck. It was very cute. And like on <laughs> one 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 for birthdays. And, you know, it's dedicated to his father who passed away before this show could mm-hmm. come on air. And so I'm just like, I feel like he gets it. The yeah, Rock he- gets it. Yeah. And I, I like him as much as he loves his father and is like honoring him. He's also showing the side of his father with sort of clear eyes that he was not very good with money and yes. and and maybe not as responsible as he should have been. And honestly, when it comes to struggling with money and having like a dad who wasn't very, you know, like practical, I very much identify with that. Like, when, when I talk about my mom having three jobs, she had three jobs and like three kids. And then my dad was like the fourth kid. So like I very much identified with the things that the mom had to do. And even the son, Dwayne uh, Johnson, having or Dewey, as his nickname is um, on the show, that uh, the, the feeling left out and not having the marks of sort of like... Um, success or just even popularity because I didn't care about that stuff but my twin brother definitely did and I just remember like him saving up money just so he could have the one shirt or the or the jeans or the right shoes in order to do you know show up and you know whatever and whereas I was just like the slob um but (laughs) (laughs) I didn't really I literally didn't care um but you know I understood that he did and my older brother maybe it wasn't like things like that but he definitely cared about other things that and he cared about his parents as far as like and being popular and so you know um he let's see the rock or uh he lied in in high school and he told like a girl that his name was Tomas my brother wanted to be called like Satoshi at one point um, oh my god right oh, no. a, a Japanese name when he was a kid he wanted to be called Oscar there were so many things that that you know you do trying to fit in in different ways um, or create some sort of persona and I really love that he leans into that like you think no one wants to be anything but the rock right now but back then he he tried to be something else and kind of fit in in different ways with like the the culture around him like Tomas, I'm just like when I, when I found that I was like, oh, that's too real. I know he did that, so it's it's very sweet too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the other conceit of the show is it's split up into three. Like there there are three young rocks, right? There's young, young young rock, high school rock, and college rock. Um, and the second episode was mostly focused on teen rock, which to me was it's not my. I don't want to say I don't like it. It's just. High school rock is the most cringy of the rocks, and so I I'm very uncomfortable. It's like the same cringe you get from like Pen Fifteen, right? It's like, oh no, what are you doing? Yeah, now? I mean the fact that he's after fine ass Karen, and I'm just like, oh, and he has to lie so many ways in order to uh, get her attention, and I'm just like, she's not I worth like, it. She's I know. Not- I was like, mm, no, mm. But, but you know, you know we're all dumb kids. It's hard to. We all like the wrong Can't person judge. when we're young. Yeah, it's just... 
But at the same time, like, it's so done with love. Like, I could see him every time we cringe, he's probably kind of loving it, like, because he's over it. That's the thing is, like, when you get older, hopefully you're not cringing as much anymore in retrospect. Well, um, I mean, the high school rock character is just so earnest about it. Like, he doesn't think he's cringing. Like, I think that's the the, the key to shows like this. And Pen15 does it really well. Is the people, the the characters don't think they're cringy at all, right? They think they're awesome. I mean, for example, <laughs> his father is trying to give him advice on like how to get with fine ass Karen. And he's like, what's the one thing you can give her or do that no one else can do? And he's like, oh, it's my impersonation of Hans and Franz, which is horrible <laughs> characters from Saturday Night Live who are based, what is it, I think Dana Carvey and Kevin Nealon, who are based off of like uh, an impersonation of Arnold Schwarzenegger. So all around just horrible. Um, and he busted out. You get to hear Teen Rock do a Hans and Franz impersonation, and it goes over as well as you think. <laughs> so yeah, I I I I don't know if I find it as cringy as Pen Fifteen, maybe because it's a guy, and so I, I can laugh. Yeah, at we're like, oh, you dumb. That's that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> so, guys are dumb going after fine ass Karen. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I also enjoy uh, seeing in retrospect um, Acid Wash because I didn't like it in the eighties. Um, but seeing it here is fun. I am looking forward to more college rock. I think he's my favorite rock so far. I mean, I like him a lot. And maybe it's because he's the closest one to the rock we know. And he's just on the precipice of his career. So there's sort of like an an exciting sort of energy around him. Um, and of course, you know, he he's he's since he's starting his career, um, there's a lot of workout scenes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, yeah. I did enjoy that one scene we got with college rock in that first episode um i just thought it was like like the the subversion of like expectation is really great nanachka and and um i think you know jeff chang he also co-wrote these episodes he was also pretty high up on fresh off the boat i think they just have a really good um skill in those types of jokes like you know he's trying to like bluff about asia to these like football players you know like stereotypical narratives would have been like oh we're dumb jocks or like you know but they're like no you bluffed the wrong geo like <laughs> geography nerds like we know where that is <laughs> and you know he was like relatives in singapore when um so just you know little jokes like that uh just subverting a lot of different layers of portrayals of people of color which i appreciate yeah it's also just funny i was like it's, it's so weird <laughs> There yeah, are, it's goofy. Okay. I love it. Yeah, there are a lot of wrestling inside jokes that I, as a peripheral watcher of wrestling as a kid, kind of got. Um, I don't know what your uh, background with wrestling is, but I don't think not knowing anything is a detriment. I think, I mean, the, the main through line of at least the first two episodes is like this idea of, what was it? Um, the gimmick? Yeah, this idea of the gimmick. Kid Rock is learning about it. Uh, <laughs> Kid Rock. Um, teen Rock is like living it and College Rock is trying to get away from it. Yeah. I mean, the idea of the gimmick is something like his dad and the other fellow wrestlers were sort of teaching him is like, it's sort of like your persona that you're giving. Um, so it's, you know, you the whole idea about wrestling, especially in the 80s, um, there was always that kind of discussion like it's fake it's not fake it's just entertainment and i just remember my my friend's mom just could not stop watch wrestling and i never understood it um i i like i 
but here's the thing. It, I didn't need to because it became such a big deal that wrestlers became mainstream. And so that's when like Rowdy Roddy Piper was in a horror movie called They Live. And then um, uh, Hulk Hogan was had his own cartoon. And then Mr. T. Oh, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. And Mr. T got on the A-team and then also had a Mr. T cartoon. Um, where he was like hanging out with gymnasts. I don't know. Um, so yeah, it 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 permeated pop culture in such a way that I didn't need to know wrestling, but I knew all the names. We knew Andre the Giant. You know, he is also um seen in the first episode and also name checked in the second episode. Um, he was in the Princess Bride. So yeah, like the, like nowadays wrestlers becoming entertainers is kind of like mainstream. But back then, it was just like that was really their claim to fame is like this is the wrestler who is now in this movie. Very pro wrestlers becoming movie actors. Again, I've gone on record. Let me state it again. Um, they're most of them are great. Big fan of John Cena. <laughs> Very funny. Probably the funniest person in Sisters, the Amy Poehler Tina Fey movie, <laughs> which might be saying something. Uh, um, yeah, I agree because they're entertainers. They've they've worked yes. it out. They've worked their gimmick. Yes, and and you know the Rock films have been in like perpetual cable syndication during pandemics. So I have watched all of. I've never. They're not great movies, but I have never like not enjoyed watching a Rock movie. Everything from Skyscraper to the one with the <laughs> giant uh, alligator and the giant gorilla to the one where the earthquake. I it's didn't. Really... I didn't watch that one. That's too close to home. <laughs> oh, it, that one's good. That one's pretty good. Uh, it's in San Francisco. We're fine. Um, like he he drives. There's a lot of helicopter crashes and and driving. It's great. Would recommend. Like it's always a good time. I mean, The Rock has been uh, Mr. Johnson. It's probably the closest thing we have today to like those 80s and 90s action stars that you can just base a film around and no matter how shitty the script is the end result is going to be okay based on his charisma alone yeah i do actually miss that because for me this kind of falls within the whole martial arts sort of field is as long as the action is really good i can forgive like a dumb script and whatever because first of all the action is good and if the um the person doing the action is also charismatic so um, because honestly, they carry it. So <laughs> plots don't have to be anything. Just give me some visual fun, um, some crazy stunts and something to chuckle at. I'm all there. Um, and he always delivers. You're right. So maybe I'll I'll try out the earthquake movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm also pretty hopeful and excited for this show to go into his family you know his wrestling legacy family i don't know if that's common knowledge to like non-wrestling fans but like the rock is the third gen or fourth generation of like from a very like lauded samoan wrestling family like that is their family business um and there's like whole like there's a whole legacy in history behind that which i find fascinating like could you imagine if your family business was wrestling yeah, yeah. and i think we see the people playing his uncles and i think his own family members are might be playing those uncles on the show so i i don't know specifically who's playing who but um i believe that's the that's the case so yeah it would be nice to kind of like dig more and have like have like a family 
dinner and just have all of them. They had a sort of something similar where they all got together with the wrestlers and had a meal at the beginning. But yeah, I would like to dig into that with his family. Yeah, and especially because like the, the the world wrestling entertainment now has been notorious for like not taking care of the wrestlers after they like they're past their prime. It's an organization that, especially in that time era, kind of took advantage of took advantage of people's bodies, really, right? Oh yeah, and like wrestling is the like professional wrestling specifically WWF WWE, but I'm sure even down the like line to the smaller orgs like. They are basically built on like racial stereotypes and, and, you know, this very cartoonish, um, like comic-y, like vilification based off like racial tropes, right? Which is like, um, there's like whole, there's plays based off this. It's, it's pretty interesting. I wonder how NBC will tackle that part or if they will address it. They kind of talk about a little bit about when we see some of the other, like, you know, his fam, his, the other wrestling members when they're all like gathering together and they're all normal chill people, but you see like in the ring, they're kind of dressed up in these caricatures. So I, I think it's, and you know, I watch WWF like casually. I, in my head, still WWF, even though they, I think they got sued by the panda WWF. <laughs> <laughs> I think the wrestlers lost to the pandas, guys, but then we learned that the pandas were actually funding terrorists too. So yeah. it's a whole thing. Who knows? That there's a script in there somewhere. But like the um so in my head, like the big the evil guy, like I watched this when I was too young and formative and I thought wrestling was like narratively real. <laughs> I won't use the F word. Um, like Vince McMahon is like the worst man ever because he there was like so many plot lines where he would be like evil and like I remember there's like this whole plot line with him and oh, was it Triple H and I was just like you're a bad guy and so in my head Vince McMahon is like the villain stroking the cat like in the big boss chair and I can't wait to see him in this show I think he's gonna pop up in the show that will yeah. be interesting yeah I mean it's just these are all real people right mm-hmm. like Real people that have a larger track record, like a footprint, like because Eddie Huang wrote his memoir. All we know about Eddie Huang's family is what Eddie Huang wrote in Fresh Off the Boat, the memoir. Like people have their own relationship with some of these wrestlers. And there are, you know, there's a there's other projects and like just work they left behind. Like Andre the Giant is like his own fi- a figure in his own right. So to have a bunch of real life characters essentially characters based off real life people in this show i think is interesting oh their poor legal department i wonder how they had to do i mean how much of this is fair use i mean i don't want to get into like legal speculation i mean (laughs) i don't think the rock also as an executive producer is gonna let them do him dirty he i think he's been fairly um good about highlighting you know samoa and his family see hobbs and shaw that was a great set piece (laughs) in samoa loved it so i think he would be i think he's fine with poking fun of himself but he'll protect his family yeah oh for sure yeah all right so to wrap up our discussion is young rock good pop yes oh i for sure love it because not only do they make fun of themselves i really depending on the show i really love it when tv gets meta about being tv so there are moments where randall as randall like breaks the fourth wall ish 
But then it turns out he's talking to his producer and he's yelling at the producer called Sandy. Sandy, played by Chris <laughs> Chen. Uh, he's great. He's like this super, he's so stressed. He's just yeah, like, don't say that, don't say that. It's so great. And it's just like, this is when you should have like, you know, zoomed in, but now it's too late. Um, oh, so, yeah. And then it's so like, great. bitch trying to get into my coverage. <laughs> so that's like just the extra sort of like sauce on top of this whole thing that's already enjoyable. Um, mm-hmm. And that is definitely, I feel like an Anoshka Khan thing. So, oh, yeah. yeah. It's a much more interesting way to do a voiceover because one of my pet peeves is voiceover in like the first season or the first episode when that's not a part of your show. They just could not find a way to like, download as this much exposition required in the first show which is why i enjoyed things like never have i ever which made it a character yeah or or you know in this frame this framework is really it's a smarter and more interesting way to do than than a, like a typical voiceover yeah we don't need so. another meredith gray um so <laughs> <laughs> but that's where you, you go you i, I, I go to jd from scrubs <laughs> that's that's my that, yeah. you know what but jd from scrubs definitely the the musical element was good um <laughs> i will respect gray's anatomy because they have at least been stuck to it for 17 years <laughs> i mean as long it's as they not have like her. they just did it and like okay we're gonna, like <laughs> sex in the city i think dropped it in like episode one yeah or, or after the first season i'm just like but yes <laughs> this is good pop it's great representation i love the storylines i love them like addressing class it's super funny and a lot of just i don't know it, it's very smartly done smartly done greatly wonderfully acted uh in all the timelines um the fashion's great the music is great they were playing uh, you know play bon jovi you got me <laughs> <laughs> very 80s uh which is always a fun era to revisit and i Hope we get to see the famous rock fanny pack outfit. Uh, yeah, there was a question during press day uh, about fanny packs. And although they didn't answer it seriously, it was kind of like, did you guys just pitch this with you with the fanny pack? And and he was like, yep, that was it. And then we worked backwards from there. Um, so I have a feeling that if they didn't already plan in a fanny pack, there will be fanny packs. And I am a fanny pack enthusiast from way back. I have had one throughout the years but they are now popular again i even wrote about it on salon uh <laughs> because they don't they uh have a low profile on your body and don't swing around and touch things and get covid um <laughs> but uh yeah so i'm very excited uh about fanny packs and seeing it on there um representation for fanny packs yeah i i really enjoyed it too i think i'm going to stick with it uh, it's only two episodes so far third episode's coming out this week you know, again, it's a weekly rollout, so I got to wait every week, but that's fine. And again, yeah, like everyone said, the representation is just, it shouldn't be groundbreaking, but it is to have like a a mixed family, a PI family in this show. And I think the Nashka Khan um, and her team has like, they've done this several times already, right? So they're they're good at it now to like show representation without beating you over the head with it, right? Like the fact that the mom gave apology masubis but never mentioned that <laughs> she's making masubis or explaining what it is right or having oh my god the, yeah. i love that yes yeah. and like even the person who received it didn't ask oh what is this what is this yeah. exotic thing right like yeah. it's just a thing that happened by the way this is on nbc but if you don't have nbc like you cut the cord you can watch it on free peacock um the new episodes i don't know how long they're going to be on there though yeah um definitely good pop definitely one of the stronger you know, mid-season replacements of this season. I'm looking forward to where we go. I want to just see more college rock. I want to know his story because he seems the most, he's my favorite rock. Maybe because it's closest to age to me. Um, (laughs) Yeah. 
definitely looking forward to what Young Ruck has in store for us. And that'll do it for our discussion of Young Ruck on NBC. Uh, Jess Hunt, if people want to find out more of your thoughts on social media, where can they go? I'm on Jess. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Jess Jew at Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Jess Jew Tweets. And I am at Anonymous. You can find me on Twitter at Marvin Yuet. You can find the show on Twitter at Good Pop Club. And check out our past episodes on the website goodpop.club. Thank you once again to the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-hosted podcasts that we're a proud member of. You can check out our fellow Potluck shows by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And join us next week as we discuss the latest, greatest Disney film, Riot and the Last Dragon, that we're all very excited about. Um, Until then, see you later and remember to enjoy some good pop. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. We're the host of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Every month we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a wide variety of genres from contemporary to historical fiction, fantasy to memoirs, and crime thrillers to romance. Some of our past book club picks are Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, and Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. We also go over what's new in the Asian American literary world and chat with some talented Asian authors about their work. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.